Take your Bible this morning, please. Turn to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. So if you're a first-timer this morning, uh, we tend to preach and teach uh, through uh, books of Bible. Zach, I always say we tend to, but we pretty much always do, right? We're pretty much always in each service working through uh, one of the books of the Bible. So in this hour, it's Revelation. In the next hour, we're making our way through uh, 1 Corinthians on uh, Thursday. No, how did I get there, brother? A Wednesday night. Slow down, Pastor. Wednesday night, we've just started a new study in Ezekiel, uh, which is most interesting. Uh, I had a doctor's appointment this week. He said, how's everything at the church? I said, well, we just started a, a new study in Ezekiel. He said, oh, that's chapter one is this and that, and it's exciting. And, and he was all excited about that. So uh, I hope you are too. We'll, we'll continue that study, Lord willing, on uh, Wednesday night. So, But this morning, uh, Revelation, uh, Mike, which is no less exciting or interesting, certainly, uh, here in this uh, first uh, portion of Revelation, of course, we're seeing uh, the Lord's messages to these several churches, uh, appear to be actual churches uh, there in the Roman province of Asia, be modern-day Turkey. A lot of times, Zach, people might think, why, why messages to those churches in that day are why, why is it relevant to us today? Well, of course, relevant to us today because the Lord saw fit to put the messages to that church into our Bible because the message is for us as well, right? So we need to study these messages uh, and see what the Lord had to say to them because it's for us too. Uh, and our prayer this morning is that we can understand and make a practical application uh, of the same passage. So uh, if you look this morning, Revelation 2, uh, beginning in verse 18, uh, we see uh, the fourth message that the Lord is delivering uh, through John uh, in these visions uh, that the Lord is, is giving him. We've seen the messages to Ephesus, Brother Mike, and Smyrna last Sunday morning, uh, Pergamos, or Pergamos, if you prefer, uh, and this morning, Thyatira, uh, Thyatira, uh, beginning uh, here in verse 18. And you'll see the, the flow of it is pretty much the same. Uh, the Lord has uh, some things that he's happy about, and he, he, he commends the church for certain things, uh, and then he raises some concerns about uh, doctrinal problems, practical problems, uh, sometimes in the church, and uh, he prescribes an answer uh, and, Mike, a consequence if they don't address the problem. Uh, and then he also makes a promise uh, for those that, that, that receive the words and, and uh, apply them, implement them uh, as the Lord desires. So there's a warning of consequences for ignoring the words uh, and, a, and a promise of blessing for those that would uh, receive the words. Gary, we know that that's a general principle regarding Scripture, right? Uh, those who receive the words and, and, and uh, walk in them, you can reasonably expect to be blessed for that. But when we reject the words of God, you can reasonably expect, Zach, what? To, to not be blessed for that, right? Uh, in any event, uh, Revelation 2 uh, and verse 18, Jesenia and I are going to study these together this morning. Uh, uh, the Lord says uh, to that church uh, through John, the Bible says, the angel, uh, and unto the angel of the church in Thyatira. Remember, we've, we've concluded that that word angel is being used as a reference to the pastor uh, in that church. Angel has the idea of messenger, 
the passenger, uh, the pastor, let me try again, the pastor uh, is a messenger in the sense that he's called to preach and teach the words of God. So we understand the angel here, the word is being used in the sense of, of pastor, a little unusual uh, in scripture admittedly, but uh, that's okay. Under the angel of the church in Thyatira, uh, the Lord uh, says, write uh, these things saith, uh, read the next uh, four words with me aloud, please. The Son of God. The Son of God, who hath his eyes uh, like unto a flaming fire, and his feet uh, are like fine brass. I want to just pick that apart for a second. We'll not belabor any of this, but let's just consider uh, the language for a moment. The Holy Spirit gave the, all of these individual words, brother, right? Each is important. Uh, and instructive for us. Uh, he says, son of God, um, Jesus calls himself well, the son of God. Exactly, there's another title he uses sometimes, son of man, right? And so uh, we know son of God is a title that's applied to him as a reference to his deity, the fact that he is God, not the father, not the spirit, but God the son. He's, he's the son of God. Uh, also, he is the son of man. Uh, which, of course, refers to his humanity. Jesus, as we've said many, many times, will continue to say, uh, he came uh, as both 100% God, 100% man. Mike, I said last week, I'll repeat it this week, we don't understand that. We just know it's true. We accept it as truth uh, because the Bible teaches that. He came as uh, a man, 100%, no less God, 100%. Uh, Son of God, this is the only time this title appears in Revelation but it's used 47 other times uh, throughout scripture. Uh, Son of man, of course, used many times, uh, 85 times in the New Testament, uh, emphasizing his humanity. So here it's his, his deity, the fact that he is uh, God the Son that he is emphasizing here. These things saith uh, the Son of God. So uh, his deity probably being used to emphasize his authority uh, to give forth this message. Not just anybody talking, it's the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God speaking, uh, with great authority. He continues to describe himself, uh, who hath his eyes uh, like unto a uh, flame of fire. Uh, who hath his eyes like unto, I, I'm going to go back here, uh, that's, uh, forgive me, uh, to uh, 1819, uh, uh, verse 18, unto the, there we go, unto the angel of the church of Thyatira, right? These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes, there we go, like unto a flame of fire, uh, and his feet are like fine brass. And so all this language uh, is, is extremely meaningful. Uh, we've seen before, he, he described his hairs, uh, white like pure will, a, a picture of his purity, uh, eyes with flaming fire. We, we've considered different interpretations of that language. Uh, but the idea that uh, he has wrath at sin probably would be the idea. Uh, fire tends to picture, at least some of the time, punishment and uh, the idea that Lord has a, a great wrath at sin. Good thing we have a Savior, uh, Brother Mike, in, in the Lord Jesus. Uh, so he's, he's described his eyes like unto a flame of fire. Now remember, this is the gl resurrected, glorified Lord Jesus Christ. This is... Uh, the way he looks uh, in his glorified state, uh, white hair picturing purity, eyes like unto a flame of fire, uh, picturing much probably, but certainly the idea of wrath at sin being one of those things, uh, and his feet 
uh, end of verse 18, are like what? Fine brass. Uh, again, might picture a few things, but strength, certainly. Uh, something that is very strong at its base uh, or, or its foundation. His feet are like fine brass. Uh, there's a strong foundation, a picture of strength here, uh, no doubt. Of course, we're uh, reminded uh, in, this, in this passage that certainly the Lord does have uh, a wrath at sin. Uh, Lord, give us a heart to reply to that truth by being sure that we're saved, uh, being sure that we uh, take every opportunity we have to share the gospel. <laughs> people are going to face the Lord Jesus Christ either as saved people judged for their service uh, or as unsaved people judged for their sin. Lord, help us to bear that in mind and uh, his, omnip his omnipotence, uh, his strength pictured here um, as well. well. Let's continue on. Next verse, uh, the Bible says, well, here, here Christ commends the church. Uh, so he's, he's got some things that, that he's happy with, some things that he wants to uh, commend them for. Verse 19, uh, he says, I know thy works. And Mike, we've seen that before, right? Uh, the Lord said the same thing to Ephesus and Smyrna and, and Pergamos. Uh, he said it to all the churches that he's addressed so far. I know your works. Um, I, I know uh, all that you do. He says, I, I know thy works and, and charity. The idea here is, is love, uh, agape love. And of course, in 1 Corinthians 13, we looked at uh, all the different aspects, characteristics of, of true agape love that we are called to exercise toward each other. Uh, the same love that the Lord has exercised toward us, we are to uh, exercise toward each other. Uh, we majored on that last Sunday morning and Sunday evening. Lord says, I know your works uh, and your charity, your love that you exercise toward each other, uh, good things, and your service. I know your service. I, I see your faithful service. And you know, we've, we've commented on that a lot over the last several weeks. The Lord sees our service when no one else does. He sees it. He knows. Uh, by the way, he knows that it's hard to be a faithful servant. Uh, but he, he sees all of our service when no one else does. And, and that's what matters. Uh, he doesn't miss it. He says, I, I see uh, your service and, and your faith. Uh, I, I see your faith in me. Uh, I, I think uh, faith is combined with service here, probably is the idea in context. Uh, I see your works, your service, and your faithfulness. Uh, Brother Ray, the Lord sees our faithfulness, and you know, he, he, he's commending that here. He's, uh, he, he's encouraged by that. He's delighted by that. He's pleased by that, Revelation 4.11. Uh, he says, and, and thy works. So uh, he says, and and thy works uh, and, and the last uh, to be more uh, than the first. So this is a church that has uh, been faithful. They, they've continued to be faithful uh, in their service. Uh, and it seems like they've grown uh, in faithfulness in terms of uh, their works for the Lord, their service for the Lord. Uh, I posted on Facebook yesterday, I don't know if you saw this, uh, something like, uh, I'm, I'm so 
thankful for the members of Long Hill Baptist Church. I was just sitting uh, at my desk at home last night thinking about the day that we had. And, you know, we had a good group of people out uh, yesterday uh, distributing scripture, uh, talking to people. Sometimes they come to church if you invite them. We like that. Uh, and then uh, pretty much right after that, we had a good group of ladies out uh, visiting uh, a couple of other ladies who are shut in right now. Uh, and you had a good time doing that, right? I mean, that, that, was, that was a joyful thing. That was a good time of fellowship. But it was all service. Uh, and, and some went from one to the other. And, and, and I know that's, that's hard. You know, it's hot and sunny out there. And uh, it was probably a tiring day. But, boy, you just served all day long. Gary, they did eat some ice cream. That, that, was, that was a blessing kind of in the mix, right? And uh, my dad and I were... <laughs> My dad and I went out for ice cream. We thought we were going to a place that you wouldn't be at because they didn't want you to think we were following you around. But there they were, Gary. They pulled in right next to us as we were eating our ice cream. We got caught. Uh, I was encouraged by your faithful service. That's the, that's the theme of that uh, little aside. Thank you for your faithful service yesterday, all of you. Uh, God sees that. He sees that. And, uh, and there's blessings uh, in store for that. Uh, and so this is, this is good. Uh, but now he, he, so he commends them for, for what's right. And by the way, if, you're deal, if you have to deal with someone for some sin problem, it's always good to start with what's right, right? It's, it's always good to say, hey, listen, I'm so encouraged by this, this, and this, but I am a little bit concerned about this thing over here. It's always good to begin with positive things and then address the, the thing that really needs to be addressed. Then you can go back to the positive things also. Uh, that's what the Lord does here. He, he begins with commendable things, and then he moves on to things that need to be corrected. And there's a warning, and then he closes with a promise. So he begins and ends in a positive place, but deals with the things that really need to be addressed uh, in the middle. Uh, and here we are in the middle uh, in verse 20. He says, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. There's, there's some problems. He says, because thou sufferest that woman, Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess uh, to teach and to subdue, seduce my servants uh, to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And so evidently there is a woman uh, in the church uh, there at Thyatira uh, who is teaching wrong doctrine and leading the people there, doing all she can uh, to lead the people there into various kinds of error. And Mike, it seems like the church is just not doing anything about it. They're, they're tolerating uh, this error in the church and, and this one who is teaching significant error uh, and, and leading others uh, into this, this same error. Uh, what, are the, what are the problems more specifically? Well, she, the Bible says she calleth herself a prophetess. The idea seems to be that she sort of appointed herself to this, this office. The Lord has, I think the implication is Lord has not put her in this place. Uh, she's she's self-appointed. She's kind of stood up and said, hey, look, listen to me. I, I'm a prophetess. You, you need to hear me. Uh, she's self-appointed. <clears throat> probably is, is the idea here. Uh, she's taught error, uh, which called herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants uh, to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now, that fornication there could be literal physical fornication. That's a possibility. 
uh, uh, you see here also, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Uh, probably the, the idea here is that she's leading some back into uh, idolatry from which they had been saved out of. And so if we understand in, in a general sense, it's probably spiritual fornication that is being alluded to here, although uh, it could be the fornication that was committed in the worship of idols quite literally also. Um, however, we understand that the basic idea is that uh, she's this sort of self-appointed teacher. She's propping herself up and, and she's teaching false doctrine and seducing, encouraging the church members into uh, this false doctrine and sinful actions um, that um, obviously is the problem. Now, Brother Ray, that, that happens. You have people come into the church and, um, you, you know, sometimes they just come with doctrinal error um, because, you know, they've, they've been in churches that teach false doctrine and, you know, we do our best to kind of open a Bible and lovingly, graciously point them to the truth. So sometimes it's nothing more than that. But other times people come with agendas. Uh, they come with an agenda. Hey, uh, I'm going to try to turn this church into the, to this direction or turn this church from a, you know, independent Baptist church to something that would be more charismatic or something like that. People do come, and we've seen that. Uh, people come with agendas. We've talked recently about a man who, who came from one of the cults recently and very definitely came uh, with an agenda. So we need to be um, on the lookout for folks that come with an agenda uh, and you know, do, do what we can to try to turn them to the truth. Uh, but when we can't, to deal with them uh, more aggressively, uh, always, always with love and, and wisdom and grace and mercy, but as aggressively as we need to, uh, to protect fellow church members and to preserve the, the doctrinal um, purity uh, of the church. Verse 21, uh, he says, I gave her uh, space uh, to repent of her fornication. Uh, the word under, uh, underlying space is, is chronos, which has the idea of time, Mike. So it's, it's a space of time is the idea. Uh, John says, we gave, we've given you sort of a, a space of time uh, for her to repent of her fornication, uh, and, and she repented not. So there, there's been some time given here to, to deal with her and, and for her to repent, but she has, she's not repented, uh, and apparently the church has just not dealt with this problem. You know, Zach, if, if, if someone's been warned several times and they refuse to take up the right doctrine or they refuse to stop uh, teaching wrong doctrine, the church has obligation to do what? Right, there's a church discipline process, right? And it, it's always with the goal of correcting that person rather than putting them out of the church. But, you know, there's, there's that possibility uh, also. I want to I wanna just take a moment also to address um, uh, the name Jezebel. Jezebel. Uh, do you know someone named Jezebel from, from the Bible? You, you do, right? Of, of course you do. Uh, you, you know uh, Jezebel from the Old Testament as the wife, uh, the wicked <laughs> Jezebel, uh, wife of wicked Ahab uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, they obviously were not godly people. Brother Ray, they, they, they were followers of, of Baal, uh, trying to lead people into Baal worship. She grew up in that and uh, no doubt led her husband into that, and they led Israel in the north uh, into that Baal worship. And so the Jezebel of the Old Testament obviously was, was a very wicked person 
who had an agenda of leading people into sin. I think the Lord is, is calling this woman by that name simply to communicate that. She's, she's like the Jezebel of, of the Old Testament. Now, one thing I want you to be aware of also is that sometimes there, there are some folks out there who have been taught that this verse uh, teaches that, that you'll hear the phrase Jezebel spirit. You ever hear that? Jezebel spirit. Uh, that, that, that lady has a Jezebel spirit. She's a Jezebel. And, and they literally mean that the, that person is possessed by a demon, Jezebel, who, who is leading that person into sin. Now, I don't want to major on this, but uh, I do mention it because I have dealt with this. I've encountered folks that have, that have come here, that have visited here, uh, more than one, actually, who come out of charismatic backgrounds who've been taught this. This verse teaches that there's a demon by the name of Jezebel uh, who will uh, possess women and, and lead them into sin. Um, can demons possess someone who's unsaved? They can. They can. Uh, do we believe that demons could possess someone who is saved? I, I do not. Certainly we're in a battle with them. Certainly they can harass us. They can oppress us. But, but I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Mike, I'm, I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit. I can't imagine a demon would want to possess me because I am indwelt by the very Spirit of, of God. I believe the Father and the Son also. I just don't believe the Bible allows for that possibility. And so, you know, hold on to that thought because that, that's a good thought. That's an encouraging thought and good, good to understand. Um, there's disagreement about that out there in the world, but um, you'll, you'll, you'll hear this idea, and, and often it'll be applied to saved people. Oh, that, you know, that saved baptized church member over there, she, she's got a Jezebel spirit, and that's why she's sinning uh, the way she is. Well, the idea that a saved person could be possessed is just very unbiblical. Uh, the idea that this verse teaches that there's a, a demon by the name of Jezebel who's looking to possess people, it's just not there. Do you see that in this verse? It's just not there, but this is their proof text for that idea. It's just not here. It says a woman, uh, Jezebel, who calleth her son. It's just not here. This, this verse does not plainly teach that there's a demon named Jezebel who possesses women and causes them to sin and to lead others into sin. It's just not there, but this is their proof text uh, for that idea. Uh, I want to mention this morning that... Um, we do deal with folks that um, have been taught various occultic ideas. And uh, there's a book that's, that's good to have. It's a Kindle version of it. Uh, it's Walter Martin's The Kingdom of the Occult uh, is a book that I've looked at to kind of understand some of these things better. Uh, he's better known for a book called The Kingdom of the Cults, which is also very good and useful. You're dealing with people that um, are uh, out of various cult groups um, I've used that book as a source for some of uh, my lessons that I've taught in the past on the cults. But Walter Mountain, Kingdom of the Occult uh, and Kingdom of the Cults, two excellent books that uh, wouldn't be bad to own. Uh, they're pretty expensive in, in hard copy, but more affordable in Kindle if, if you're an ebook person. Uh, good, good to be aware of those. Anyway, be, be aware that's a teaching out there that believe it or not, comes from this verse, but that, that teaching just isn't there, and it's good to understand. I have a, I have a little uh, one-page or two-page article on this issue if you're interested in that. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, so beginning in verse 22 here, the Lord says, hey, 
uh, for if the church doesn't get right on this issue, there, there'll be consequences. Uh, there'll be consequences. And he calls the consequences here great tribulation. Uh, I don't think he's referring to the great tribulation, uh, that seven-year period of time that follows uh, the rapture, but uh, here I think he's using the word here just as a, in a more general sense, an allusion to uh, a time of difficulty, that uh, a trial that is the Lord's chastening for refusing the Lord's correction. Uh, verse 22, he says, Behold, I will, I will cast her into a bed, uh, uh, and, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, uh, except they repent of their deeds. So uh, there's, there's obviously correction uh, in store for her, uh, as well as for those who take up her teaching uh, and, and implement it, that, that go into this sinful behavior or return to the sinful behavior out of which they were saved. Uh, allowing her to lead them uh, back into the things they were doing uh, before they were saved. The Lord says, hey, uh, th that's, that's sin, and, and there's going to be consequences uh, for anyone who would be seduced by her and allow themselves to be seduced back into that sin. Uh, here, the, the great tribulation is the language that's used. And uh, again, there's a temptation maybe because this is revelation to view this as the great tribulation, but I think it's being used in more of a general sense here, uh, correction, the Lord's correction, chastening uh, and correction uh, if, they, if they would not get right, if they allow her to lead them into sin uh, and, and not get right. In verse 23, he says, and I will kill her children with death. That's pretty tough language, Brother Garcia. Uh, very tough language. Um, and so you have to kind of look at that and say, well, what, what exactly is he saying here? Uh, well, it could, be, it could be a few things. Um, he could be referring to kind of her spiritual children, if, if you will. Uh, those who are not saved and, and follow her into wrong doctrine rather than uh, the, the true doctrine of salvation, of course, they remain spiritually dead and will suffer the second death that John teaches about uh, in Revelation. Uh, it could also be an allusion to the idea that uh, sometimes when Christians uh, uh, are seduced into sin, choose sin, uh, and continue in that sin despite the Lord's correction over a period of time, uh, I think this is one of those places where you could build the case that the Lord will sometimes call people home, Mike, when they refuse to repent. So I think that this verse could be alluding to that idea um, as well. I believe, I've, I've offered to you before, I believe I've seen that. Uh, years ago, I believe I've seen the Lord call uh, at least one person home as, as a result of their, they're saved, but as a result of their choice to return to the sin that they had been involved in before they were saved, uh, and to continue in that over a period of time, despite the Lord's uh, conviction to repent of that, I believe he called, he called uh, at least one person home. I think this verse is uh, alluding probably to that idea, that degree of consequence uh, for refusing to be corrected. Zach, when we need to be corrected, we do well to just say, Lord, you're right, I agree. Uh, what you're convicting me of is sin, I agree with you. 
And Lord, I'm going to look to you for strength to repent, to turn away from that sin, uh, to put it off and to put obedience on in its place. That sounds like a much better choice than suffering uh, the first part of verse 23 here. Um, look, at, look at the next part of the verse. He says, And all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins uh, and hearts. So there's a reason given here for this degree of, of correction. Uh, the Lord desires to be known uh, by his correction. And, and that's an idea that we see in the Old Testament also, right? Zach, his Lord, was, was dealing with Israel in the north, Judah in the south. Uh, the Bible says uh, numerous times, right? He would deal with them to correct them, but also so that people would know who he is, right? And so that's, that's an idea that we see uh, both in the Old Testament and uh, here in the New Testament. Uh, let's continue. The next part, verse 23 says, And I will give unto every one of you according uh, to your works. Um, well, praise God, um, you know, faithful service is rewarded by the Lord. Uh, Brother Ray, un unfaithful disobedience also has its consequences, so we, we could choose. Um, in verse 24, and we'll finish up here kind of quickly, um, Lord promises comfort to those who were not guilty of this sin. He says, but unto you, uh, I say, and unto the rest in, in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine. So th those who are not guilty of being drawn into uh, this woman, this Jezebel's sin, uh, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. Uh, so this is comfort for those who refuse to be seduced by the false doctrine of, of this woman uh, who's called Jezebel. whole church wasn't guilty of being drawn into her doctrine and, and, and her sin. And uh, so there's, there's comfort here being offered uh, to them. And, and the Lord implores them, hey, just stay faithful. You, you've not been drawn into that sin. You don't need to be drawn into that sin. You can stay faithful until I return. That's verse 25. But that which ye have already, hold fast uh, till I come. Is the Lord going to come? Yeah, amen. He's, he's going to come, and it, uh, it could be today. Uh, there's, and there's promise of a special reward for the faithful uh, here in verse 26, 27. And he that overcome and keepeth my works unto the end, to him uh, will I give power over the nations. Now, that, that pretty clearly alludes to the millennium. Uh, and the fact that uh, we'll rule and reign with the Lord uh, in the millennium, the nations. Uh, and then verse 27 is uh, an allusion to Psalm 2 and verse 9. He shall rule over them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter. They shall be broken to shivers even as I received uh, of my father. Uh, verse 28, and I will give him the morning star. Who's the morning star? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 29, let him that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. We're going to stop there. We're going to stop there. Our young one needs a break. <laughs> it's okay, Mom. Uh, we're glad to have you this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning. Uh, thank you this morning, Lord, for uh, a little voice in the church. Lord, we're, we're delighted uh, to have a young person here with us this morning. Uh, we're delighted to have her mom with us also. Father, we thank you so much for your words this morning. Uh, Lord, thank you 
uh, for these messages. Uh, understand they're, they're given to a literal church in the first century, but the same message is for us also. Lord, help us this morning to stand guard against false doctrine. Lord, help us to, um, to see it, to stand guard against being drawn into it, to have hearts to correct it uh, wisely and biblically and with love when we see it. Lord, help us to bear in mind that we can be faithful because of Christ. Lord, thank you so much for that truth. Lord, help us to bear in mind that there's consequences for not doing that, but there's also rewards for staying faithful uh, in the midst of so much false doctrine around us. Lord, we know this morning that we can because of Christ. Lord, I thank you for that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thanks for being here this morning. See you back shortly.